0: dispensing wisdom, inciting awesomeness, scaling joy. Welcome to the Mojo Studios podcast. It's time to turn down the deluge of distractions and put yourself in a mindset of receptivity and growth. Absorb, digest, apply, repeat. Dinner is served.
1: Joe McCarthy, also known as Mojo, and I'm here with Steve O. Hayes.
0: Hey, Steve. Also known as Steve Hayes, so you got Steve-O and Mojo.
1: Steve-O and Mojo, right. We go way back.
0: Way back. Way in. back.
1: In the Wayback Machine, Mr. Peabody.
0: <laughs> back in the day when you played with dirt and sticks. That's right. Back, back. in the analog era.
1: I'm so old that I rode dinosaurs to school. We used to walk uphill both ways in the snow, barefooted. In the summer. summer. Yeah, yes. that's right. We had school this summer. We had school all the time. That's right, you whippersnappers, you just got it so hard. You got nothing. When I was a kid <laughs> Yeah. Funny part saying about back when I was a kid is that neither one of us have grown up. No,
0: that's true. I still feel like I'm a kid.
1: <laughs> totally. Oh yeah. You know
0: the only time I feel old? is when i'm looking at somebody else on tv or somebody else wherever and and they say their age and they're like my age or even younger and i'm like i'm not that old because right. in my mind i'm a still kid. i don't want to grow up i want to be a toys r us kid you know
1: <laughs> absolutely peter pan syndrome man i don't want to grow up
0: so when I'm we kidding. say back when i was a kid we were talking about 15 minutes ago <laughs>
1: <laughs> back when i was a kid you mean oh just now yeah yeah you mean, oh <laughs> no
0: right now i mean now yeah no, right now.
1: no, now, no, now, no, now. <laughs> that's one of the cool things about, um, memory, right? I've, I've heard some pretty cool talks about the two superpowers that humans have that are stronger than any other, uh, animal or plant or creation is, is memory. We have this very vivid long-term memory and there's no scientific proof that, that anybody in the animal kingdom or plant kingdom has that. And so we we can be kids, we can be, we can li- relive yesterday in this moment. And the other superpower is this unlimited creative imagination where we can imagine things that may happen in the future or may not. But again, that these are part of the, I think this is part of the image of God thing.
0: That's hard to, that's hard to imagine.
1: <laughs> no, well, for you maybe, because you're part dog.
0: <laughs> Actually, I, I have heard this a couple different places, a podcast, I read it somewhere, but... Um... They're saying that crows have a memory. Not only do crows have a memory, of course, we've heard that they're an intelligent creature. I don't know how they figure that out, but they say crows have facial recognition. Which could explain why I get the same bird poop on my car all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for real, that's what they say. They say that crows have a, yeah, isn't that crazy?
1: Well, I'm, I'm sure as time goes on and they can test it more, we will be astounded at the levels of intelligence that some animals have. I mean, dolphins, horses, mm-hmm. already already incredibly re- remarkable. But that's still a limited, right? Human have this yeah. nearly limitless. Now our memory is not so limited because, uh, or I mean, our memory has limitations, especially the older we get. Um, but <laughs> what I love is that when your imagination crosses over into your memories, so what you remember, and you might swear that's exactly what happened, someone else that was with you would say, that's not what happened at all. What are you, you're, you're making stuff up. You're well, lying. Well, man, that right?
0: happens to me all the time.
1: Me too, <laughs> seriously, with my wife even. So I went, this is before I was married, I went to a hockey game in LA. And during the timeouts, you know, the cameras scroll through the crowd and put people up on the video board, kiss cam and all that kind of stuff. Well, they, they kept coming back to this one lady um, who had Obviously enhanced her her um, her frontal lobes, (laughs) (laughs) and and she was very proud of them. You know, kind of shaking, shaking, you know, shaking like a Polaroid picture. Shake it, baby, shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture. (laughs) Um, And and as the camera got, got came back to her enough times, so she would grab the collar of her sweater and pull it down and just reveal the cleavage. You know, like she was teasing whatever, and then three quarters of the way through the game. She's doing it again, and her, either her husband, her date, whatever, reached around behind her and grabbed her hands and pulled it all the way down to expose oh, her my. on, on oh, the, the camera. You yeah, know, the whole place is stunned, and then they roar, and there's laughter, and then the, the security guards come and <laughs> escort her out. But I've I told this story several times to my wife and in and, and my wife's presence with friends, and now she tells the story that we were both there. And I swear, it happened before I even met my wife, and I could tell you who I was with. And she says, "No, Joe, your memory's failing. We were there together." But I think her her imagination—that's to get back to the point—her imagination is so, so strong. She's got a great imagination that she has heard the story and imagined the story enough that for her, she was there, even though she wasn't there physically.
0: <laughs> oh man, I tell you what. When I go back and see all my my buddies at college, I can totally relate to this because we'll start telling stories. You know, that's what we do, and. And every, I've, I've had it happen to me many times where they're telling a story and I'm just laughing. And that is hilarious, I tell them. I'm like, that That was awesome. You know, and they look at me like, what are you talking about? I was like, man, I, that was hilarious. Who did that again? And they look at me like, uh, Steve, we did that. It was your idea, <laughs> in fact. <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think that's the point of, not to try to tie everything into each other, but this definitely ties in. The whole idea of wanting to be a, you know, I don't want to grow up, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kid forever. Yeah. That's because kids don't lose their imagination. Right. Yeah. But they get older and we're told to grow up. But imagination is a powerful, it's a powerful source. Imagination can bring fear or it can bring hope, yeah. you know, and uh, it can bring faith. It can bring all sorts of stuff. But imagination is an important, I think God gave us imagination, honestly, because it's one way that he likes to communicate with us. But we've... Kind of taking that out of the equation too and i i just think it's bad that we've relegated imagination to the younger ages and we've we have saying that to grow up you got to get rid of that your imagination is one of your like you said you call it a superpower right it is it's, i
1: mean it's, seriously it's one of the attributes that makes humans so amazing and there's lots of things but but imagination alone sets us apart from all of creation and again i think this is a reflection of God making us in his his image, because you can imagine his imagination is unlimited and he doesn't grow up and leave his imagination behind, right? Um, Plus, history is filled, and I want to bring in your Bertrand Russell quote here, imagination really is the spark of invention, it's the spark of creation.
0: Bertrand Russell, who's a mathematician, um, said, do not fear to be eccentric in opinion, for every opinion now accepted was once eccentric
1: yeah read that again that's really good
0: do not fear to be eccentric in opinion for every opinion now accepted was once eccentric
1: i mean this is awesome if you really think about it we all have a desire to fit in right this is kind of an evolutionary thing from what i've studied that we need to be part of a community part of a tribe we need to fit in and initially that was for survival right because you know when right in the early days we didn't have all the modern technology and the tools and weapons and all that kind of stuff yeah we were the we were the hunted we were the prey not the predator uh, we've become the apex predator of course over time partly because of our imagination because we imagined right. tools we imagined uh, right you know,
0: all these other weapons we've imagined right. traps we've imagined that's what we needed that's how in the beginning we even caught our prey was through traps and we use
1: our imagination. Yeah, Yeah, and in fact, without imagination, we wouldn't be talking on cell phones. Someone had to imagine that, and and like like that um, quote gets at, that what seems eccentric in the moment, now is status quo, right? Now it seems like, well, of course. But I love that quote because it, it reminds me, it challenges me, hopefully our listeners as well, that if you have an eccentric, what seems like an eccentric idea, that's really the spark of imagination that could push your life, could push your community, could push our whole culture forward into a better place.
0: Right, because honestly, we're using our imagination for a lot of negative things. We really are.
1: True. Like
0: we're we're seeing how bad it could get, and there's a lot of stuff out there. By the way, listeners, Joe and I, we're we're, we're actually part of sister studios. Maybe we should call them brother studios, but (laughs) I'm Happy Life Studios. Joe is Mojo Studios. Joe's down in Southern California. I'm up in the Seattle area. And we, our, our podcasts are really a lot about people have a story that need to be shared and we want to highlight people's stories. But I overheard a conversation between two people. One person was going, was talking about the future and was, they were watching something on TV that was, you know, negative and, and they were just talking about, you know, what's going to happen, you know, when I get this way or down the road or whatever. And the other person, I, just what they said just stuck out to me. And they said, hold on a second, don't even go there. why would you get negative on the future? The future hasn't even happened yet. And yet in your mind, you already have it made up that the future is gonna be negative. It was a very loving comment. It wasn't chastising or or talked down to them at all. But I thought, you know what? It's very easy for us. But if we have the strength to go, man, the future is is gonna be bad. We can also have, if we use our imagination, we can also say the future is gonna be quite good. And I think that, you know, we've we've got a lot of fear being pumped our way we've we've got a lot of scary things going on right now and i get that i'm not ignoring those things but i think that we can also use our imagination for positive and an imagination for even how do i get through this scary time right now what are some inventive things that i can do or some creative things that i can do the problem is is that if we listen to the majority of people the majority of people will tell you that your idea is eccentric and is never going to work. I mean, I can't imagine the very first person that came up with indoor plumbing idea. Really? (laughs) You're going to do that in the house? Are you kidding me? Really? You're going to dedicate a room in the house. Do you know what our outhouse smells like? (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna dedicate. What are you gonna do? Dig a floor a hole in the floor, and you're gonna, you know, Ben Franklin electricity. I mean, like you said, the cell phone. What you're gonna? Oh, you're gonna be able to talk into a box and talk to a person thousands of miles around the world. You can talk to. You can show pictures of. No way. That's 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 the Jetsons right there. That's you know? Star
1: Trek, right? Yeah.
0: It, right. Exactly. But the the people that made a difference are those that follow through. On, on their ideas, on their imagination. And I wanna say say this too, cause it ties right into come to, ta- to the table. Those people that have followed through often follow through because they were invited to somebody's table. Those people that gave up on their invention, gave up on their idea, eccentric or not, gave up on, on who they were even. Sometimes it's not even an idea, but it's who we are. It's because the people around them did not receive them or rejected them. And after a while, you just kinda you give up and you, you cave to that, right? You just think, how valuable am I? Everyone thinks i'm this or that, or even self-made people had somebody in their life. I bet you that offered them a hand, that offered them a step up. <laughs> and it might just be our age, but you know we're to the point now where I want to take somebody else. I don't want them to have to go through a lot of stuff. I want them to stand on my shoulders, so to speak. I want to lift them up. I want to do it with my kids, but I don't want to do it with other people too because I already learned the hard times. But I didn't really have a whole lot of people grab a hold of me and say, Steve, your ideas are different, but man, I like your thoughts. So come on board, man, join my platform, join join the crowd that I'm with. Let me introduce you to some people. And yet I have had some people that have done that. And to me, that's what come to the table is really about. Would you agree or disagree with that?
1: Yes, I think it's that and so much more. So you and I, Steve, have had these really rich conversations and have really connected on this deep level where now in our 50s, right? So When we left college, we were in college together in Minneapolis at uh, what then was North Central Bible College. It's now North Central University. And (laughs) Steve-O was the head nerd, uh, self-proclaimed nerd. He'd wear this (laughs) lime green leisure suit and spike his hair like Spanky on the Little Rascals, primarily just to bring joy. You know, he had had no problem making fun of himself to make other people laugh. Like Steve-O, I'm an extreme extrovert and I have no problem making fun of myself to make people laugh. So I was drawn to Stevo like a like a bond of brothers right from the very beginning. At North Central we found down in the deep dungeon somewhere in the archives these warm-ups for the basketball teams from decades before.
0: Or those are awesome. They're
1: awful. They're awesome in an awful way. They, yeah. They, they yeah. Originally, originally had been red I believe because red was the colors but over time had faded to sort of a pinkish gross looking pink
0: that was because the basketball manager watched the new white <laughs> white warm-ups with the white sh- red warm-ups with the white shirt and turned everything pink so now we're and pink is cool now but it wasn't, it wasn't the new black no. back then
1: no it was not no and then it had to make things even more hilarious they had fringe all along the yeah. seam of the sleeves and all the way down the pants and the fringe was like light blue and white it's and beautiful so, and it's called The Chiefs. I, I don't know where the connection was, but but just donning that uh, warm-up made you feel hilarious already. If, if you're like Steve-O and I where you don't mind people laughing at you. In fact, when people say, oh, we're not laughing at you, we're laughing with you, I'm like... I'm not laughing, but I don't care. I'm, I'm happy that you're laughing. So,
0: in fact, uh, I've, I, I've learned that if you want to be successful, like, this is a good tip for anybody that would listen to this, whether it's now or down the road. But I've learned a successful tip. There's two kinds of laughter in the world, and if you want to be successful in life, you need to figure this out. There's the laughter that when somebody is laughing with you, but there's the laughter when someone is laughing at you. If you do figure that out, you're going to be a lot more successful than if you never <laughs> if you never figure that out <laughs> at all
1: there also is a a form of resilience a form of grit that even when you're fully aware that people are laughing at you it doesn't deter you and this goes right back to your bertrand russell quote again that there are times when being the eccentric at the moment puts you way ahead of all the rest they just haven't caught up yet you know steve jobs and and all the inventors in the world and some of the great writers and i think of like the writings of Jules Verne or um, Ray Bradbury, these science fiction novelists, who much of the things that they were just making up in their imagination, based on what they knew, and taking it to this fantasy level, have come true. You know, when we watched Star Trek as kids with with William Shatner, and they had these crappy plastic props where they could talk from the planet to the ship with their communicators. That's that seemed eccentric, right? That was far fetched. That was ridiculous. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, right? Yep. Here we are. We're getting pictures from Mars. And in fact, Elon Musk is gonna colonize Mars if he has his
0: way. Oh, I couldn't see him doing it. If anyone could do it, that guy could.
1: Yep. I guess I guess there's hope there because Elon Musk is eccentric in the term in the way that we're defining it, and yet he I guess because he was not deterred by people's labels or judgments of him. Now he's become somewhat of a hero of sorts in that he's put, he, putting all of his effort and energy and resources into making the planet better.
0: Yeah, that's what I like about it, because this guy is probably the richest man on the planet or definitely one of the richest. I mean, he's doing more than governments do. I mean, this guy has is taken his money and he's trying to make the world a better place with it. And uh, that's that's what I love about it. He's just not spending it on himself.
1: I saw a quote or a interview with Elon Musk recently where he was uh, taking much of the resources that he has through all of his corporations, including Tesla, and was going to do something to help with the, the crisis in Ukraine. And people were saying, but isn't that going to cut into your bottom line? And he says, as if the bottom line is the most important thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously.
0: On. In America, anyway, wherever you listen to this from, it might not be where you're from, but in America, anyway, it's all about performance and it's all about doing better. And it's all about bottom line. But life isn't about bottom line, man. (laughs) It's about people. It's about coming to the table together and sharing your lives with one another.
1: You know, what's really interesting is when when you hear people talk about end of life, they're reflecting... On what they yeah. did, what they didn't do, what they valued, what they wished they had done. The biggest regrets are never. I wish I made more money. I yep. wish I, you know, I wish I had greater status. I had more boats. I had stuff. Nobody says that, right? Not even the, <laughs> even the rich people. They yep. say I wish I spent more time with my loved ones. I yep. wish I had. I wish I had, You know, some people say I wish I'd done more adventures. I seen more of the world. But the number one thing, is inevitably. I wish that I had spent more time and energy and effort on relationships than anything else.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yep. That's true.
1: So to go back to our come to the table idea, Steve and I connected on this level, just this would have been a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, We started had this conversation, which was the first conversation, long conversation we'd had in three decades. Um, And just as we talked, the the energy level went up and we uh, fed off of each other and just shared that... Unbeknownst to each other, we we had this similar experience throughout life, where we really felt like we had ideas, we had problem-solving s- skills, we had insights, uh, we had things we wanted to share to make our organization better, our church better, our ministry better, the people around us better. But nobody wanted to hear it, right? And yeah. uh, like Steve, there were times when I would I would make it clear that I I'm. I'm not looking for a position. I'm looking for power. I'm not looking for a promotion. I just want a voice so that I can add to the mix. I wasn't even saying I want people to do what I, my idea is. I just wanted it to be considered. And there were right. so many times along the way when there was just, there was no room at the table for me. There was no invitation. And I, I to this day, I still don't really get that. I don't understand what that's all about.
0: And here's, here's something else, Joe, that I want to, um, ask your opinion on, uh, I wanna know if the this, this same thing happened with you, but when I was in college, um, at the risk of sounding egotistical, which I'm really not being egotistical here, but it's really to make a point. But when I was in college, I had my professors, I had my my friends, I had those in the area of that I was gonna go out and, and do my stuff in. I was the next up and coming guy. I was the guy, I was, I was it, right? And so I was really excited for my future because everyone was telling me, everybody wanted to hire me, but then, when I started doing things my way, and by that I don't mean being stubborn, being a jerk. I mean, in my style, Yourself, in my right. personality, I to, just do things differently. Right. I've got a very strong imagination. And when I would go speak places, people love that, right? But those yeah. in charge oftentimes did not. And I went from the guy that I, I okay, I've had several times, even as I, I've traveled and spoke, I've had people that have made it to, to the national stage before in charge of big departments and stuff say things to me like i don't want to do this without you uh steve where there's only one or two people i bring in to do this and you're one of those people i want you to know you're my guy right you hear that all the time it's your boy right. steve right. well i had people tell me all the time that i was their guy i was there right but when i started being true to me and because i did a little bit different style and i didn't do it how they did it or have like, i done it all these years and dude i disappeared i went invisible i went yeah. How did I how did I just disappear like that? i I don't understand. And then meanwhile, a lot of my other friends just went right up through the ranks and people that I even brought to these other people or even introduced them, but they got invited to the table and I was still sitting at the kitty table, which honestly, now that I look back at it, the kitty table is way more fun than the other table totally. in way. Yeah. but did, yeah. did anything like that happen with you because you were kind of oh yeah. You were kind of popular in school, everyone knew who you were. I was really shocked when you told me that you weren't invited to the table, you felt left out a lot because in college you were very popular.
1: Yeah, so like you, as an extrovert, I made lots of friends. People liked having me around because of my energy. I was smart, I did good in school, I was musical, I was, you know, semi-athletic. I had all of the boxes checked and I had people like you who would say, you can do anything you want. You're going to be successful no matter where you go or what you do. and. And I I wanted to believe that, so I'd believe that. And then I would go into an organization and for reasons I still don't completely understand, wasn't promoted, wasn't appreciated. But as a person like you with a very, with a big strong desire to give, to share, to help, to get shut out, I, I just, I don't get that. Then you hear the leaders and they're dying for idea guys. They're like, we need innovation we need imagination we need people who are playful to help our culture because most of us are just doing what we're told or what yeah. we can get away with not yeah. they're
0: not thinking outside the box and i'm like that's what i
1: that's the way i'm wired i
0: know that's so frustrating i used to just scratch my head and go i don't get it why why will they not invite me to the to the table it's not like i want money or i want to be popular or anything like that but i just i want to be heard and they just i'm like you told me you know, you're the one that told me you wanted me in in your world and all this stuff. So then when all of a sudden you change and I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I I couldn't figure out why in the world they would not. And and don't get me wrong. I know that's part of the thing here too, just because an idea is eccentric doesn't mean it's a good one. For those of you that are listening, that are just jumping in. uh, The quote is from Bertrand Russell. And it says, Do not fear to be eccentric in opinion, for every opinion now accepted was once eccentric and so the problem with that is just because an opinion we we think that every eccentric opinion is good well no for every good eccentric opinion there were probably ten thousand bad ones but that's called brainstorming yeah and if we're not able to look at the eccentric opinion we wouldn't have electricity we wouldn't have indoor plumbing we wouldn't have air conditioning we wouldn't have cell phones or technology or you know if we didn't have um if we didn't if we didn't have if we didn't explore that if we didn't yeah. I, I just, I don't, I still, sometimes I still don't get, I mean, there's a part of me that goes, were they intimidated? I don't, I can't believe that they were intimidated because they were strong leaders, but I'm like, why I know that not every one of my ideas is a good idea, but I know if you'll listen to me and let me be a part of it, that's what brainstorming does. Yeah. Get rid of the ideas, just listen to them. And I just think there's a lot of people out there, Joe and I both think that there's a lot of people out there that we just want to invite to the table and say, Hey man, our table might not be the largest table out there, but we want you to know you've got a place at our table. Because I just don't like feeling the way I'm feeling. And I I think the people that have have made it big have had somebody that have invited them to their table and say, let me help you out. And I think that's what life is really about.
1: I think there are some exceptions to that rule of of people who, in spite of all of the negativity and no support, pushed ahead because they were just so sure internally of what they were doing that it was going to be... They envisioned... They used their imagination to envision a future, but they had the wherewithal... Uh, Supports, resources or whatever that they could continue down that path and then of course, then the bandwagon switches when you start to be proven that your ideas work, that they are successful that, that it's a better way well then people say, yeah I support you, I, I've been with you all along, you like, yeah, yeah, right. like, well not so much Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, to be a specific I, I like telling stories and you do too, that grounds the principles so that people kind of latch on but I remember when I Went to Pepperdine for my master's degree. I was probably then in my early thirties. Yeah, I was in my early thirties. I didn't have any kids yet, but I was married. And it was a degree in organizational development. It was a executive program. So you met with other professionals who were in the field, in different companies, uh, four times a year at a different location each time. We met in California, we met in Canada, we met in Mexico. We even had one meeting in China to talk about organizational development in all those different contexts. And I remember I was I was really intimidated at first because I was the only person in a nonprofit. Everybody else was in a for-profit, and I was the only person of course that worked in a church. I was very intimidated like what do I have to give or to add to this conversation of all these business successful business people? And it turned out because of my playfulness, my imagination, my musicianship, and my, my my attitude, my charismatic personality or whatever those people were drawn to me they're like you bring out the best in us joe because you you're not constrained by all the rules that we've been living under you're not constrained by by the norms of of corporate america and so they they found that really refreshing and took some of what i had to offer back to where they went but when i went back to my organization they didn't want to know what i learned they didn't they didn't want any ideas in fact and when i would share them voluntarily like i would see something that that I had just learned that could be helpful to the organization they're like we didn't ask you that so stay in your lane
0: do your thing right
1: what the- right <laughs> what are you talking about
0: right I remember yeah. when um I used to come up with one organization I belonged to and I'd come home and just they would make fun of me in the staff meetings in the all group meetings and they would just tease me or make fun of me. And I get that because I'm kind of that way. And I but they would just like shoot down everything that I would I would say they would just and my wife just thought I was she thought I was like, I don't know, being pathetic or she didn't really believe me that I was exaggerating until my wife also joined the same organization. She was hired by the same organization. And after the first staff meeting, she said, you know, I used to th- think that you made that stuff up or that you were off. He says, but you're right. Everything that you said they would like and oftentimes you know what they would do too when i would say something they would all look to the leader to see if the leader agreed with what i had to say or right not. Yeah. you know yep. and i remember even times speaking in front of a large group and everyone before they decided to laugh they would look at the guy in charge <laughs> to make sure that it was okay yep. that they you know that they that they did that in fact i i remember there there were times where Oh, there was another really huge organization in our area of of work that that was kind of the premier. Everyone copied them. Everyone followed them. And I remember we were brainstorming once in our in our <laughs> organization and I came up with this idea. And I said, we could do this and everyone just shot it down. They thought it was stupid. So I just I said, whatever. I just I just kind of shut up. I'm like, whatever. I, I just learned to just keep my mouth shut. If they're, they're either going to listen to it right away or they're not, I could tell. And usually it was a not six months later that same organization came out with this brand new idea that everyone was just talking crazy about. And it was the idea that I had six months prior. Sure. But also now that this other organization came out with it, now our organization wanted to do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that there's some safety in that, but man, I, I don't know what we're afraid of. I just, you know, we need ideas and we need brainstorming and we need to bring people to the table. We need to show up at the so- table.
1: Right, there's two sides of that. You can get invited to the table and then you got nothing to offer. Well, that, that's your own fault, right? You're not prepared. Mm-hmm.
0: And also, but- also, too, it's like we don't. I don't think we want to come to the table just to come to the table, just so yeah. that we can be popular, so we can be big, or so we can. Because that's that's not the right reason to do anything. But if we have something that we think can make somebody's life better, make an organization better, that's going to help and not tear down. Man, we need to step up and and raise our hand and see if they invite us. And if they don't, well find somebody like mojo studios or happy night studios find someone like us that will because there are people out there that will bring you to the table
1: absolutely absolutely yeah that's a, there's a whole different mindset of collaboration non-threatening collaboration versus you know the top down hierarchy of what if the leader says it's great it's great and if the leader doesn't then it's not um, yeah and and certainly the good leaders i mean at least in today's world it's being Touted from Simon Sinek to John Maxwell to Brene Brown to a lot of the gurus of organizational leadership to say we had it wrong. I mean that came out of a a time in our history when when there were world wars and when the military was the the premier organization for effectiveness and for efficiency, and so we adopted that hierarchy and that that comes directly out of the military that you don't speak unless you're spoken to and that you know, if you're on the low man on the totem pole, then you don't talk to the admiral or whatever that is. Um, but it, it's not effective in organizations that aren't military. I, I could see why that's important in military. There's a lot of good reasons for that. But in organizations and especially nonprofits and specifically churches, they adopted that same organizational structure and hierarchy, yeah. which yep. is counter counterproductive to community. And if you've got, if you want to grow an organism, you don't cut off the feet, you know, just because the head decides it wants to do something.
0: Yeah, you don't cut out any part except for maybe the appendix, right? We're not sure why the appendix <laughs> is even there. But or the tonsils, I feel maybe. like we treat everybody like they're an appendix. We I mean yeah. what makes a family great, what makes an organization great is every person that's in it. They all every part of our body adds something to the organization and the parts that, that are the most private parts are the ones that we protect the most. You know, The parts that we don't want anyone else to see are also the parts that we will actually protect the most. And I just think smart leaders and smart organizations, smart businesses, listen to people. Yeah. It, it's not gonna hurt at all to listen. You know, And to evaluate that, um, I just don't know if it's a control thing or whatever, but yeah.
1: I think part of it's cultural, part of it's historical. Uh, part of it's efficient and a lot part of it is insecurities at the top but i'm 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 encouraged to see that organizations are trying to flatten the organizational chart so that it's not so much reporting chain up the chain of ladder of command that kind of stuff so that the person that's just hired on the bottom of the structure has access to the decision makers and vice versa not necessarily in all the time, or in all the meetings, but there's not this invisible wall where, well, you you can't share an idea because you haven't been promoted to that level of sharing yeah. yet, right? Yeah, uh, which which it's. I mean, even if it's functional, it's not the the most sustainable way to run an organization.
0: And that's what I like about today with social media we can create our own table and for years i remember i was giving all these all these leaders all these i was giving them the keys to my kingdom i was letting them control when, when and where i could share what i knew and share my ideas or people that were good ideas that help people out and i was letting other people be in control of me and one day i just realized that i don't have to do that anymore and with social media i love it because now we all have a voice that we can we can share and i it, Times have changed, and I think we just need to change what we're doing, the way we do it, because times have changed. But yet, I don't know why. You know, like I got a good buddy. He says, um, you know, he loves change. Change it back to the way it was. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but That's things funny. are constantly changing. That how does that quote go? There's a, quote, a lot of quotes out there. Like, but the one thing that will not change is, is change, because yeah, the there's cons- always going to be change, right? And is- it's time to change this pandemic has kind of kicked everybody in the solar plexus and knocked the wind out of us. I could have said a different word, but I didn't, but <laughs> it, cause it's been pretty brutal. Right. Yeah. But we keep talking about how we want to get back to normal. Well, I don't want to get back to the normal. I want to move ahead to the new normal, to the new thing that's much more exciting. And I think that's why entrepreneurs are everywhere. And maybe we're even getting sick right. and tired of that, that, that name. in fact, I have a shirt right now. I actually have it on my page called happy entrepreneur, right? Entrepreneur. I want to find creative ways to make people happy. That's what I do. I'm a thought leader and I'm a happypreneur. And I want to I want to make the world a, a happier place. I think that's what it's all about. I think that organizations, including churches, um, including anything, schools, whatever, if we don't learn how to adapt, we're going to be left by, you talk about dinosaurs like we talked about in the very beginning, we're going to become dinosaurs ourselves if we don't adapt. And to adapt, really, there's a lot of people out there that are great at what they do their managers, their bosses, their whatever, but you also have CEOs and you have your entrepreneurial types and you have, we don't have to be all those characters. You just have to be around people that have those skills, right? So there's a lot of people that might not have, might not not be idea people, but they don't have to be idea people. All they have to do is get around other people that are idea people. I know for myself, the opposite is true. Um, I'm not, I'm not an administrative type at all. I'm an idea person. I am not. I remember one day I thought there was two types of people in the world. There were starters and finishers. So jokingly, I went to my wife and said, babe, you're not doing your job. She said, what do you mean? I said, we're not getting anything accomplished. We're not doing anything. She says, well, why is that my fault? I said, well, you're the finisher. I'm the starter. And she said, you said what? I said, I'm the starter. Rod, you're going to love this. She said, you're not a starter. I said, what do you mean I'm not a starter? She says, no, you're not a starter. You're an idea person. And she was right. I'm an idea guy, but I Uh, so I I love guys that can take an idea and take it to the next level. I love people that can organize. And for years, I tried to be that person because I was trained by my first one of my first bosses. that said, if you're ever going to be good at this, you're going to be organized. And so I spent the next 13 years trying to be organized. And you know what? I barely got any more organized, but I worked hard at it. But what I did not do while I was spending all that energy, probably 80 percent of my energy was spent on trying to be an organized person. What I did not do was spend 80% of that on my strength, what I was really good at. And so I know for me, I love people. They used to drive me nuts because usually I big picture people and small picture people tend to butt heads with each other. Right. But now the small picture people, the ones that are the details, the ones that make it happen, the organized people, they they used to not like me. I used to not like them, but I have a real respect for them now because I realize I need them. I have this deep i don't want to say jealousy because that's not healthy but i have this deep there has been jealousy at times though but i have this deep reverence this respect for those that that are detail-oriented because i know that i need them to do what i need to do i can't do what i do without i can throw up in a room and make people laugh make people smile but some of the ideas i have they're not going to come to fruition unless i have a team of people around me including people that know how to do details the problem with detail people for guys like us is that we have to listen to them in the same way that we <laughs> want them to invite us to their table we have to invite them to our table because they have good things to say but oftentimes we don't like what they say which i would also add one more thing on there sometimes it's, it's really how it's said not what is said you know, and my wife has learned, she'll say, don't get mad at me, but I want to tell you something. I'm not going to get mad at you. Well, I might have, if she didn't say, I might've got my feelings if <laughs> she didn't say that, you know, okay. but I think a lot of it also has to do with, well, I'm just an honest person. I, yeah, but people that often say that I'm just, I'm just a realist. I'm just, they're using that as an excuse, you know, <laughs> and I think you get a lot more with sugar than you do with salt. You know, you get a lot more with sweet than you do with sour. And so I think part of the problem sometimes too, is how we word it and how we say it, but um i respect people that have this ability to make things happen they're implementers or they're they like my wife once you get something she can keep that thing going forever she is as steady as a day as long she is just fantastic at that. But you know what, my wife needs an idea to keep going. I need my wife to keep We all need each other. We're all parts of this great big, huge machine. We're all different cogs and springs and stuff like that. And all of our roles, sometimes the smallest parts of a watch, the smallest parts of an engine are the most important parts of an engine. You take out a spark plug, you undo one little wire of your engine, and your whole car won't run. And I think that every one of us has that kind of value in today's culture. And so that's why we all need come to the table and we need to invite everybody to the table in my opinion
1: so to use that come to the table metaphor which I I love there's so many ways we can go but I remember this isn't as popular now especially in big cities uh, but when we were kids the churches inevitably would have a potluck from time to time throughout the year what that meant it's lots of tupperware that's for sure we it's had a like, bunch
0: of people that were so uptight they're like they couldn't even use the word luck they had to say pot bless anyway yeah, go yeah, back to your yeah. story steve steve sidetracks twice that's steve to joe nothing
1: hey let me up the quit dancing on the table sit down let me talk so potlucks inevitably meant that you know the church was all invited to come to a picnic but rather than the church providing the food for the congregation everybody brought their favorite dish their favorite recipe yeah or, something, or some experimental one well we always had these crazy Nasty jello dishes where people would stick like shredded carrots in jello and call it a, a, a salad. And I'm like, this is I every mean, day as a kid. <laughs> thankfully, the best thing about a potluck is that there were so many people around and there were so many things to choose from that your parents weren't hovering over telling you you had to try everything, right? You just pick and choose what you want, which is mostly mm. desserts and hamburgers and hot dogs or whatever, right. whatever you liked. Um, and you could have as much as you wanted. The cool thing about that, not only of being a community and being a family and having the fellowship uh is that if if everybody brought the same dish then it'd be the most boring meal in the world but because everybody brought a variety some bought meat some brought vegetables some brought dessert some brought these crazy jello salads but you had this incredibly wonderful smorgasbord of tastes and and recipes and and you had fun right so we'd go back to the play thing there so what i'd like our table be is a potluck where we get to have people share their favorite recipe, even if they haven't tried it yet. Yeah. That gives a chance to try and get some feedback saying, oh, that's too sweet. That's too sour. Or or what if, what if you tried a different ingredient? Um, But knowing that we all shouldn't bring the same dish to the table. We should bring the one that we really love or the one we want to try or the, or the one that we found somewhere that we just can't wait to share with somebody else and create this, this wonderful potluck of ideas uh, yeah. Which will enrich and nourish our souls.
0: Yeah. You know, that was always a bad day. If there's only one dish with food left in it, and it was yours. That was always the... <laughs> right. But then at that point, you're hoping to figure out, you know, you, you'd you hope that the person would go like, uh, maybe I should change my recipe for, exactly. for next. Yeah. But the truth is, somewhat, there was always one that somebody else liked. And in today's culture, it's almost like we say, hey, you get this macaroni and cheese, that's it. And I just think it's great when we can come to the table with differing opinions, like differ, differing recipes, because everyone's going to come out of there feeling full and refreshed by the end of the thing. And, and this whole idea yeah. of... You know, we all have to succumb to the same mentality, unless that mentality is people are valuable and people are worth it. But most of the stuff, it's opinions, and we want everybody to eat our dish. But we should all bring our own individual ideas and opinions to the table because my idea might be wrong, but there might be something that's in that idea that actually is right that can help make a different idea better.
1: Right. If you use this whole metaphor, even spices, a little more of this, a little less of that, can change how wonderful a dish tastes, right? And how, and yeah. it's an, and it's experiment, and it requires course correction, evaluation. Boy, let's do more of that. Let's not do that again. Let's start something new. All these great ideas, which are actually principles that are great for life, they're great for community, they're great for organizations. Uh, so I think we can take this a long ways, and hopefully it'll be helpful to people that, that tune in. Sometimes, what keeps everything at status quo and bland is our fear of of standing out you and i don't have this fear steve we we love being the nerd that makes everybody laugh but we're the exception most people they want to fit in they don't want to flip feathers they want to fly the radar you know they don't want anybody to notice them because they're afraid they'll get judged or they'll get ridiculed or or that their ideas won't be valued or, or the fall flat so they don't want to put themselves out there so I'm hoping that we can encourage people to uh, tap into their hidden, tap into their hidden child, and just let themselves play a little bit, uh, knowing that there's there's no judgment here. This is all about experimentation and fun yeah. and play and play. Yeah.
0: When the environment is a loving environment, beautiful things always come out of that, whether we agree or disagree with each other.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I disagree, but I still love you.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, of course you disagree because you're stupid. Of course, yeah. So but, you know well, you don't really agree with I...
0: me. So then I'm just gonna take my I'm gonna take my Tupperware. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna. That was a good one, Joe. That was a good <laughs> one. In our house,
1: you know, Tupperware is a big deal, as it was, in, especially in that era. In fact, the only sealable containers at the time were Tupperware that I knew of. So we'd come home from a potluck, or we leftovers, or from dinner, or bring something home, and inevitably something would get stuck in Tupperware, get sealed, get stuck in the back of the fridge, and then forgotten about for months, <laughs> years, who knows, until it came time to clean out the fridge, and then what we this is what we dubbed evil Tupperware because not only can you not tell what was in it originally, but now it's like ticking on a life of its own, and you open up that lid, and it's like. Bruh! <laughs> you never know what sort of, sort of monster is going to come out of the Tupperware. And if it had been there long enough, you just had to th- throw the whole thing away. Except for we lived in a family of very little means, and so every dollar counted. There's no way you're throwing away Tupperware. You clean that thing. I'm like, clean that thing? It's going to eat me alive. Yeah. <laughs> Evil Tupperware. <laughs> Lurking. Oftentimes in our lives, we take the scary things or the, the non- happy things or the hurts or the traumas, and we stuff them away somewhere and they just grow a life of their own. At, at some point, you gotta, gotta bring them out in the open and clean those dishes, right? Yeah. If you wanna be healthy.
0: Ignoring it isn't gonna make, it just gets worse the longer you ignore it. So, you know, bring it out in the light and let's help, let's clean it, let's clean it up.
1: That's right. I like it. So for people who listen back to this recording, uh, whoever you are, We'd love to have you here, not just to listen, but to share. Uh, we invite you to our table, to come and feast. Feast. And we want to know what
0: you're thinking. We'd love to know what your thoughts—eccentric or not. We'd love to know who you are, and and uh, we because your your voice is important and it needs to be heard.
1: One thing that we haven't talked much about. Let's just set it up for next time. Is happydemic? What's a demic and why is that? A-
0: yeah. What's the best way to fight a pandemic? We'll talk about that next time. There's a lot of people fighting pandemic and it's not working very well. Um, There's a lot of people fighting a lot of stuff, but happy-demic really is the answer and we will talk about that next time.
1: The antidote is happy-demic.
0: If this episode was beneficial to you, be sure to pay it forward, sharing it with others who may need a boost as well. Until next time, dream big, Start small, act now.